0: Wherever you are, and welcome to On the Record, Off the Cuff Album Reviews. The more eager eared of you may notice that Paddy's sounding slightly different this time. That's because I'm not Paddy, I'm Ian. Uh, We've shifted seats round one. Paddy's still here. Say hello, Paddy. Hello there. And as usual, Martin's here as well. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. Um, yeah, we've just had a little uh, discussion, and I'm going to drive this one just because I'm slightly more familiar with this album than, than Paddy. So this episode, we're going to be talking about New Model Army and their album, Thunder and Consolation. And just to set the record, there are several versions of this album available, whether you've bought it on vinyl, cassette, CD, double CD. So... Just in terms of reference, we're going to do the single CD version, which is the 15-track uh, version. So if you're playing along at home, that's the version you want to be listening to. Uh, so I'll just do the usual facts and figures. So this was New Model Army's uh, Martin Shook. This is uh, fourth album?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say fourth album.
0: Yeah, there's, it always gets a little bit confusing when you've got bands starting out as independent bands, what classes as a uh, official release and what have you. And, of course, there's been retrospective releases of things that weren't albums <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but are kind of bit backdated. Yeah. But this album is probably their best-selling album of all time and certainly is the one which many of the songs that people will know and love from New Model Army come from. So, without any further ado, let's kick off with the first track. "I Love the World." Martin, do you want to dig into this one?
1: Um, what always excited me about New Model Army is they, they would do things that that you weren't expecting, and starting an album with bass, like a really dirty, <laughs> that really dirty bass sound, and then building it up. And this was the first album they really had any uh, keyboards of any renown, and they used quite well throughout the throughout the album. This is probably the uh, the best example of it. Quite ethereal, spooky keyboards running throughout this particular song. It's an It was weird. Even though it starts the album, whenever they play live, they always seem to end with this song, which, I thought, which is quite an quite, uh, interesting thing to do. Start an album with it, but end your gigs with it.
0: It's um, a nice, uh, upbeat song to yeah. to finish a, a live show with.
1: But like I say, from... from Beginning of the album to end of set, it's quite an interesting uh, movement of the song. I think it works as as as, as an album so, as an album opener, and it's it's full of a positivity of people I don't think expected Justin Sullivan, as he was now officially called himself after years of being slayed the leveler, <laughs> uh, would come out with uh, you know. And I don't think he's somebody who gets enough credit as a as a, as a lyricist. He's written lines that have made me cry my eyes out. He's written lines that make me laugh. He's written... Music, I've always said music should make you want to laugh, cry, the F word, or fight. Yeah? And New Model Army do all this on this album for me. Uh, and so it's an album that I can go back to time and time again. i go back to the vast majority of their albums because they're so well created. But yeah, great album opener.
2: Uh, excellent. Paddy? Cool, yeah, uh, very good opening tune for an album. I, I as Martin mentioned, I, I, I didn't have as much to compare to because I'm not as into the back catalogue of, of New Model armies. Ian mentioned. I'm more of a singles guy and listening to this album's been a lot of fun, though I'm sort of, I did I did a r about should we wait, should we wait, give myself more time, but now nah, let's do it. It's nice to have a, a, perhaps a, a, fresh, a fresh approach where you're not necessarily comparing to other things that they've done. So um, that's kind of a cool thing, I guess. In, in the small number of listeners compared to other albums that I know a lot better that I've had of this album, this is the one that's grown on me the most. Uh, whether that's just because I, I can never start halfway through to, to listen to tracks when reviewing it, I've always got to go all the way every time. So subsequently, if I've run out of time, I've always listened to this one at least at least once every single time. But yeah, uh, somewhat of a grower. I love the like, say the bass murmur. I wasn't comparing that to other songs particularly, but that sort of bass murmur and build, as you said, was really really good. I guess the thing, the thing I think I know about Justin Sullivan, or I've heard as a quote, is this idea that he's. Sort of more of a um, uh, or a poet as much as a, a lyricist. So perhaps in the in the classic sense of a pop a pop writer, his lyrics, the, the sort of cadence of his lyrics, and how he he sort of a lot of the time he seems to sort of squash a lot of things in. I actually went and had a look at this because I couldn't decide whether to what degree this was an ironic song in terms of <laughs> I love the world because immediately even somebody. Uh, who hasn't got as much experience as me, figured, well, hang on, Justin Sullivan's never struck me as a person who loves the world because he always seems to be angry uh, a lot of the time. So that that was an, an interesting thing. But like you say, this, irrespective of that, that gives a genuine sort of uh, upward vibe, which perhaps doesn't carry through on, on the whole album. I'd say it's all got a lot of strong positivity in terms of uh, intent, but this has actually just got that... Um, Proper up, up, if that makes sense. Great opener, really enjoyed it. And as I say, of all the songs on the album, this is probably the one that's grown on me the most. Started as in, yeah, yeah, okay, and grown on me the most. So I love the world. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I've not much more to to add to all that, uh, that really. I think it's worth just picking up. Uh, Martin, you mentioned the bass and starting on the bass. One of the signature things about New Model Army is... They've always been bass led, or the bass has always mm. been very yeah. very prominent, and there's, there's no lead guitar heroics yeah. uh, well, anywhere. Um, and on this album, obviously for the first time, we start to introduce another instrument that that does things that lead guitar is often often seen to do. but this is two albums in to Moose Harris's uh, bass um, and it, it to, to me, it's the signature. Sound of New Model Army I and this bass tone, specifically on, on on this album, the very kind of uh, doingy <laughs> if we say it's a kind of an angry bass. But there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of sound in it. And and as, as someone that's that's recently switched to bass as a, as a profession, um it's something that's a, a kind of touchstone uh, for uh, for me. I, I I'm listening with a very keen ear to to what the bass is doing.
1: Yeah, well, New Model Army. I'd... There's, there's two particular bands that I've always loved, uh, and they're both bass-driven bands, which is New Model Army and The Jam. And if, if you're going to write a list of instruments, it'd be a case of rhythm guitar by the guitarist, lead bass, because that's what it is,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. most of the melodies are led by the bass runs with, on both bands, the most wonderful drumming. Yeah. Uh, and God rest his soul, Rob Heaton, an absolute powerhouse, but knowing when to sit back as well. No one went really attacky, but no one went to sit back. Uh, and some of the grooves on this particular on this album in particular have kind of led to things that the band have done since he's uh, since he's uh, no longer in the band. They're a band that have always been bass led. You know, you tap your toe and you tap your toe to the bass lines rather than the guitar lines.
0: I, I absolutely. I I think it's probably worth mentioning for the the kind of non musicians or non-performing musicians listening it's impossible to be a good bass player in a band with a bad drummer
1: Mm.
0: because it doesn't it just it just doesn't work it is you know the, the bass and drums together are the rhythm section for a a reason and if you haven't got that rhythm locking in you can't do those lead runs because you've got nothing to come back to it's just it's just another layer that's
2: kind of out out there on on its own it's interesting coming from more of a singles point of view as well because to my ear the non-single tracks the album tracks tend to be more slightly more percussively driven which isn't a knock because that suggests that he's got a really really good idea of which ones to release as singles for a more perhaps a, a more generic hit and a more immediately accessible but they're a bit more of a sort of percussively driven band. And I know I, I include bass and drums when I say percussive. They are sort of more, more driven in that sense. They're not straight floor, far on the floor at all. I, I kind of didn't think they were, but the degree to which they're more, a lot more interesting than that has, has become more apparent for me.
0: Well, Rob, Rob Heaton, the drummer, has always had um, a lot of writing credits on the albums. The, 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 lots of them are... Uh, Sullivan Heaton, and so it's not uh, surprising that um, that some of the the songs are crafted around a, a rhythm, as opposed to uh, you know a rhythm just being a, a foundation for for a, for a song. You can hear the songwriting in the drums, uh, if if that's not too naff a <laughs> kind of sentiments. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. Well, what's what's become apparent since then is Justin Sullivan's actually come out and said he always writes the songs from a drum rhythm a beat or a loop or something that someone does and he actually gets the inspiration for the song from that rather yeah. than just going away writing something going, Hey, put some drums on that it's a case of
2: he he writes to the groove of it which weirdly makes me think of adam and the ants a little bit though <laughs> they are different that that's a real percussive bottom line and you can hear oh that's That'll That's, work with something on yeah. top of it, sort of
0: mentality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just before we move on, just to pick up Martin's point about the keyboards being introduced in in this album. Uh, yes, you're right, Martin. The the keyboards aren't in there as a as a virtuoso musician, pianist, or, or organ runs. They're they're very much kind of pads, uh, eerie noises, and what have you mm. that that kind of kind of hang in there and add uh, texture. Now, obviously. These days, we've got a keyboardist in the in the the band full time, and, and and certainly on, on the on the live stuff. But it's 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 a very interesting, very sophisticated production use of uh, of keyboards throughout the album. I think we'll touch on it with some some of the other tracks. Um, so, shall we move on to uh, track number two in the version we're looking at, which is "Stupid
2: Questions." Well, this this is <laughs> this is one I'd heard and jumped up and down to in a CD club at the top bottom of Chapel Hill many years ago. <laughs> um, Stupid questions for me is just a more uh, straight pop song, but what a pop song! Very straightforward, very in your face. I think it's one of many good examples of his ability to hit that vein, as opposed to how would I put it? Somebody who's kind of perhaps a little more of a, I don't know, at their core, this idea of somebody who's speaking, speaking with the conscious, speaking for the people, or, I don't know, protest singer is perhaps where I'm going a little bit. Whilst this is, you know, stupid questions, yeah, all right. there's an aspect of that. But I like the, I like the fact that it feels that you can step away to such a degree to write some pure hookie pop, which for me, I'm happy to be argued with, it, this song is one of those. Yeah, uh, I'll use the word now. It's a bit of a banger. <laughs>
0: um, you'll get no argument from me about the uh, the popiness. I mean, it is classic pop structuring. It's it's fantastic, uh, right down to the use of the guitar riff between parts and those the, the kind of turnarounds, and then the the coda at the end. Yeah, and it's and it's a you know what three and a half minute song or there thereabouts. It's you know it, it's not a. Um, it's not. It's not an epic. Well, this
1: to me was the first time that you really got to hear Justin's uh, kind of passion for Tamla Motown. Because if you actually listen to this song, you get the vibe. Justin is a massive fan of Tamla Motown, right? And this song, when you strip it down, strip down the, if you take away that that, should we say, the edginess, the the anger part of it, you know, they. And strip it away to its bare essentials. You can Im- you can imagine like an all-girl band singing it, you know, with the uh, yeah, you know, it's got beautiful melodies in it. I mean, the lyrics, some of them are quite visceral. In a pop song that was a big, hit, you know, was a, a nice big pop hit for New Model Army, which I was really really chuffed about. You know, there weren't one of you know some bands you don't want them to have hits because you don't want to lose them. <laughs> I wanted them to get. More people to hear them because the songs were so wonderful you know they're a band that you know the first time i saw them was a, uh, I i think it was the 14th of october 1985 first time i saw them as a paying customer and that changed my life forever and to actually see them progress that little bit and have that that bit of pop sensibility it was like yeah i want to see them on top of the pops because i mean being on top of the pops with the previous album done a track live but you want to see them on top of the pops because you want to go, that's one of my bands, that's one of my yeah. bands, and you feel rightly proud of them. And they exist in their own world. You know, You know know that. They'll do the same set at a goth festival, a metal festival, a punk festival, an indie festival, and a folk festival, and they'll do the same set because they're none of those things. They are New Model Army. It's a bit like Motorhead. They're not a heavy metal band. They're not a punk rock band. They're, they're rock, they were a rock and roll band. New mm-hmm. Model Army exists in their own little sphere, but... There were you know when I heard this song I was like pop music by New Model Army wonderful but some of the lyrics you know you kill with the best of you smile remains so sweet when people come to eat me alive I like to see their teeth yeah and yeah if you really want I can name the name be the angel of death at children get like, what the heck this is a this is a top of the pop single that yeah. people are hearing but it's a bit like some of the Ramon stuff you can hear it just as and let it pass you by and just hear it for the great melodies it's got or you can hear it and actually hear what's being said uh, and read it and just appreciate he's a sto- very much a storyteller song because um, the other thing apart from Tamla Motown is is a massive Bruce Springsteen fan is is Justin and storytelling rock songs is what Bruce was known for in you know particularly in his early period. Nebraska being probably the perfect example of that. Hearing that wonderful pop hook with great lyrics, it was like it was really exciting, and I just felt a sense of pride at a band that I loved being able to do this.
0: That sentiment actually brings us on very nicely to the to the next track, two two five, which is probably fighting for position as my favourite new model army song ever. Actually, acro- across everything,
2: one of yeah. Definitely. It's quite a good song, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah.
0: it's fantastic. I, yeah, I love yeah. it. It's. I, I remember actually I was. I uh, did an uh, interview on some goth radio show several years ago, and this was the track I I chose <laughs> for the for them to 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 play as a request. Absolutely love it. But as Martin says, this is story songwriting at its at its very best. It is, you know, a, a vignette, uh, a scene that that. You can absolutely see from the description, you know, it, 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 in the uh, in the lyrics, it's mm-hmm. perfectly told. It gets across not just the what's happening, but who's there, what they feel about things, what their frustrations are. It's in, it's incredibly well put together for a very short, obscenely poppy punk song. <laughs>
2: um, I ab- absolutely love this track. It's velocity. It's velocity. I nearly said it's philosophy. It's velocity, and that's the the sort of consistency, uh, and the drive of it. Again, lyric wise, I don't look as hard. It's more, as I always say, it's more about the music for me, if I'm honest. But I, I love that that hard, fast sort of swing that it's got. We were talking earlier about um, synths coming in, um, and again, the the fact that it's not. It's almost as if some, this is, again, this sounds a bit dodgy, but I mean it with absolutely no ill intent. It's almost as if somebody sort of, oh, look, here's a Yamaha, press a key, see what you like, and see how you can apply it. But they've given it to a bunch of people who are really, really creative and really, really are savvy in terms of the pads. So that sort of really low, almost tonal smoky pad yeah. that sits underneath it. He's beyond perfect. It's yeah. inspirationally good, to be perfectly honest. Just solid atmosphere. Yeah, isn't it? but if if you if you you can sort of see some lad sat in his front room hitting that, oh, oh, thinking, "Oh, that's a good sound," but I've no idea how to use it. Well, you need to be as inspired as New Model Army, then, <laughs> because my God, it works a treat. It's absolutely brilliant. And again, again, just the velocity of the whole thing, those pads, the muted guitar. That consistency drives beautifully. Fantastic track, fantastic track. Again, this is one that I think the more I listen to it will grow on me more and more, so I can see why you picked it, Ian. Uh,
0: yeah, I know. Uh, just to, um, since Martin got there before me in the last song to pick out a couple of uh, choice lyrics, bearing in mind this was this was written and recorded in, or recorded in 1989 the the line this golden age of communication means everyone talks at the same time could not be <laughs> more relevant to to today. I mean, it's descriptive of of essentially the last you know five years, maybe maybe a little longer. In macro, um, incredibly astute as well.
2: Mm. scary uh, almost scary well yeah the, the, the specificity well, of it in a way
0: I, it kind of you know it, it speaks to someone that's actually observing what's happening in the world and commenting on it rather than a, a, a you know a slightly more visceral visceral root one unfocused anger this is someone that's that's kind of analyzed what the issues are and actually has uh, some thoughtful things to say about it
1: my memory of this song, uh, particularly the live version, because it, it starts, uh, for those of you haven't know, it starts with a really quite slow uh, co- like coda from the song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And live, they always used to do that, and then it became a vamoosh! And then you just hear that <laughs> drum, snare drum snap, and it was just non-stop from there through to the end. And it was almost at the end. You felt like they were dropping down the like literally throwing the instruments down (laughs) because the way it ends, it's like, But as you said, the the lyrics, um, there are bands that I mentioned it earlier on and I'll keep mentioning it, who people, if you want to know how to write really well-observed lyrics, just pick up a lyric book from any New Model Army album and just read them and go, oh, right, it doesn't have to be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus it can be a story that's set to a melody and this is just so eloquently done. And you get that it's almost like that someone's ready to explode but he never does because he lets the music do that. And the lyrics on this are some of my favourite lyrics of all time. As Ian's pointed out, you know, the the start of my favourite, if you like, verse from this particular song (laughs) Because they're not verses; they're just parts of a story. Yeah, and it's you know it's very much an observation from start to finish. And as the saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, all these years later, and it could have been written yesterday. That shows how classic it is.
0: Uh, absolutely, um, and it's it's one of those songs where I would swear I've seen a pop video for this song, <laughs> but I haven't. It's just. The, the imagery is so, is so yeah. vivid, I've, you know, um, created you a pop picture, video yeah. in my, my own brain over, over the years, uh, which is probably what I see when I listen to the track. Mm. Okay, so let's move on to the next track, uh, Inheritance, which is interesting given the comments we had earlier about uh, writing to a drum loop. <laughs> um, I and <mean>, this is <laughs> here we are. Oh. Well, you know, um, uh, 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 dare I say it? Actually, the the nearest touchstone I actually have to this is some kind of uh, uh, hip hop. Really, because you've got you've got a drum loop, you've got some very stark uh, kind of stabs of uh, repetitive. Instruments every now and again. You've even got some hype man in the background echoing the <laughs> ends of lines and things like that. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> yeah I, was, I, never, I never thought that you got the chukney element. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, we, um,
2: do we think that's? Do we think that's a drum loop? No. No, no. I was going to yeah. say. I,
0: I, I mean, in the sense that it's, right, so a r- it's a, a repeated. Yeah, Sorry, I'm just checking. I mean, in the sense it's a repeated
2: drum pattern. Sorry. Yeah, a, a, a drum loop in my world means something very, very specific. Apologies, yes. I should have known better than to think i you actually meant that.
0: <laughs> no, it, it's uh, it, it's not even a, uh, a, a Tandy, my first drum machine. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it's it's very, very, much very much a drum kit powerhouse.
2: <laughs> very much the power. I was everything. quite taken aback by this, by its sort of. I'll say it, its strangeness. I mean, it's not like the absolute most original song of all time, but it there, there is something quite unique about it in terms of the the drum part and sort of sticking, you know, sort of sticking predominantly to a tom led sound, and that sort of the sort of stumbly. It's not even a shuffle. It sounds like a sort of a stumbly sort of drum motif and, and using that as a constant in in an otherwise very very bare song yeah really really clever and more importantly really really works the only the only things you know you have the sort of the piano bits with with that lovely sort of medium decay that sort of hang there for a little bit yeah. and he does interesting things with it doesn't do question and answer per se, but there's little um, second, sort of second vocal parts that are very, very close and vaguely overlapping and what have you. A really, really clever, cleverly put together song. I wasn't surprised. I was just like, wow, this, this is... The, 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 as I say, having listened to this, the amount of creativity that's there on album tracks over and above singles that I'd heard in the, fa- in the past is really, really impressive.
0: And I think it's it's one of those um, if you look to kind of um, folk music not necessarily just uh, British or Western folk music but around the world there's a lot of very rhythmic driven community singing which is uh, about stamping feet and clapping and and and, uh, and chanting and it, it you know there's there's some there's some parallels uh, there as we know you know Justin's not um, exactly un, unscholarly when it comes to understanding uh, various forms of, of music. But it's, uh, you know, on an album, essentially a, a kind of, you know, punk rock, punk pop rock album. Um, it, it, it does it stick out somewhat. There, there aren't many bands that would attempt a song like this. On the, um, I'm pretty sure.
1: Well, this particular song, when I've listened to it again, it, the closest, the the, the they've come to it since is the Between Dog and Wolf album, mm. where they experimented with just nothing, just doing, building up from a drum loop. But how they did it much more successfully here is there's a better structure insofar as, if you like, there is a chorus, whereas Between Dog and Wolf, every song seems to build and build and build and then just drop back down. Mm-hmm. This has a very definite, and it's, and it's so sparsely done just little bits of guitar, little bits of bass, little bits of keyboard, little bits of echo on the vocal that just let it hang. But ultimately, like you say, it's just it's it's pretty much drums all the way in. And you know, this was one of the the, the songs I learned to drum along to when mm. I first started drumming. I I had improbable material, the first Clash album, this and Vengeance, and a pair of headphones and a pair of sticks. And that's what I I just drummed along as best I could. I could never do it as well as Rob Heaton, God bless him. But it was an inspiration. And and when I went to see the band for the first time, I got taken backstage by Jules. She saw me stood there by myself. And the band were absolutely lovely. Moose gave me a plectrum. and said, be a bass player. (laughs) Then Rob went, nah, here's some sticks, be a drummer. (laughs) Justin Sullivan just looked at me with those piercing eyes of him. (laughs) Be yourself. (laughs) And that's all he said to me. That's the only words he's ever said to me. I've been in the same room as him many times, but it's somebody I've always find quite not scary, but you know, it's somebody I admire that much. I don't want to break that fourth wall of you know talking yeah. to him. And, you know, I've spoken to the rest of the band, you know, like and you get on really well with them. But um, it's somebody I've given space to when I've seen the events and stuff. But well, this is a song that when I think of Rob, this is the one that straight away. I always think of, because it's, it it is, isn't a standard 4-4 rhythm because he was capable of so much more. When he was uh, joining New Model Army, he had, a job, he, he, he had a choice of joining two bands, New Model Army or Hawkwind, <laughs> and he chose New Model Army. You know, If you think about the spheres that the, that the band's moving, they're very, very different, so they, the talent that the man had right from when he joined the band is evident, and like I say, it's something that I'll, I'll listen to every time and just think, good on you, Rob
0: right should we move on to the next track green and grey so all three of us are dwellers in west yorkshire and this song is to me it's pretty much the anthem for, for the yeah, area i mean absolutely. i mean if, there can't be many people of our ilk in and around this area that, that this song doesn't doesn't uh, resonate with and It's also one of those that must reach beyond this because I've I've seen new model army gig all over the all over the place and everyone knows every single lyric <laughs> to this song mm. in the, and sings along to it so it obviously re- resonates far and wide but there is something very very special about the lyrics here when you can actually picture the landscape when you you kind of live work uh, in and around these kind of west yorkshire northern industrial cities and spend time yomping around the the, uh, the moors overlooking them uh do you want to uh, say something about this one paddy
2: yeah well paul I, I couldn't agree more and i've thought prior to thinking about this song in the context of this podcast i have thought that when i've listened to this song which is one in the past i've listened to as it with, with it being on a singles compilation i had yeah i and i just i just want again give another nod to the creativity on this album because you've got an up pop song followed by sort of a a unique, minimalist, you could say, poetic oddity, and then straight into what's probably the nearest thing to classic rock that they land with. And I just think, again, to be applauded, I, I as I've always gone about forever, my favourite artist is about as eclectic as you get. But this is really... So for me, to see other artists do it is, is a very, very good thing. And, and this, you know, sort of a classic example. That intro is so nice you move from it's funny i'm now completely bloody contradicting myself and possibly us generally but <laughs> you, you you then get to the point where you've actually got some pro keyboard synth but right? it sounds like it's not an experimentation it turned out relatively right this is this needs to be big this is what i want i want some sort of uh, simmering steady growing uplift Keyboards and then a few tinkly bits of guitar and the, the beginning actually reminds me of the beginning of Brothers in Arms, which I'm sure is punched me in the face. If <laughs> no, I even yeah, say that. a song no, I, I love.
1: I I, yeah. I absolutely love that song. And you know, Paddy, take me out of you for that. Yeah, no,
0: sorry. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just going to say that the, the, the actually starting with the uh, the sound effect, yeah. the the weather, the thunder and lightning. Now, oftentimes when you have something like that on a rock album, it's very much it goes, oh, here's the sound effect this and it might be it might be the 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 synth holding everything together in the middle but something about this sounds to me like there's a thunderstorm while i'm recording the song it doesn't sound like a sound effect that's there you know for for imagery it just sounds so natural uh, as it comes in and and it could be something to do with that the synth pinning you know kind of uh, gluing that together with the uh, with that guitar arpeggio as it starts
1: it's simple, it's stripped back, it's got space, it's got breathing in it, it's got humanity in it. And this is a song that I've cried buckets to many times, particularly twice. Uh, one time I was on a bus and a member of my family who wasn't speaking to us anymore was sat in front of me and I tapped him on the shoulder and he blanked me. And there's a lyric in this, you know, um, towards the end of it, and it just made me think of that. and you know, it kind of broke my heart, and every time I hear it, I think of that event, and the other time is a much more beautiful and, and poignant thing. I was actually on my way to see New Model Army at the Home Firth picture drum, mm-hmm. and as I'm coming down the hill towards Homefirth, the valleys of green and grey <laughs> were just laid out in front of me, and I was going to see my favourite band, and it was a beautiful, sunny evening. I'm like does life get any better than this? <laughs> I'm with my favourite person on the planet going to see my favourite band and seeing this beautiful countryside that, there's, that, that it's written about pretty much. Life do not get much better than that. And it, it's something that people don't appreciate that bands can do. You know, the, if they're well-known for being angry and angsty and punk-rocky and this, that and the other, listen to this. And Ed Alain Johnson, whoo, you know um just it's a, not an overcomplicated part that he's playing but it just if you pull pardon the obvious pun it pulls at the heartstrings because it's just got that sadness in the in in the chord structure of it it's just like brothers in arms does
2: yeah so, yeah when yeah. you mention Adelaide johnson the the, the the first bit of fiddle playing that comes in is absolutely beautiful because it it, I think it's in the it, it's in the verses, and it almost blends with the synth perfectly. There is a yeah. part where you can't quite tell, and they're both there. You can't tell where the the fiddle is ending and the synth is starting, and that is that is gorgeous. Going back to what Ian said as well, just like so, like from somebody who's listened to this in a bit more detail, and again, he's not as heavily into new Mod This this side again, absolutely no pun intended. This sort of sincerity and purity idea. When I look at somebody like Justin Sullivan, and I I think of things like a a poetic approach to lyricism and the idea of a protest singer and all that kind of thing, and also the quality of his voice, there is a very, very, very earth... If it was a visual thing, it'd be like earth colours and earth tones to his voice. For me, that very much feeds into the way that he... Could write something like this, which was truly sort of beautiful, and, and again I could keep going back to the word purity, completely out of jest. It, it, it all seems to add up in my sort of over romantic side of my, whichever lobe is firing those particular synapses. That sort of makes sense in some kind of vaguely spiritual algorithm. So green and grey feels like uh, a song. For me, even if I'm not listening to the lyrics, which I don't know as well, and I, I couldn't quote to you, it is absolutely beautiful. The music, the approach, uh, and the building of this song. It's just, yeah, it's really, really nice song. And and I'm, I'm biased as well because, yes, West Yorkshire.
0: <laughs> I think I think when it comes to the, the lyrics th- throughout, I think the, the word we're probably scrabbling for is authenticity. None of the, the, the kind of characters, or if it's first person uh, or the kind of views ever expressed, ever sound there for any other reason than because there's a truth behind them. The, you know, the stories seem like very real stories about very real people. The places seem very real. Not in a kind of romanticised travel writer kind of way, but in a, a kind of lived experience, and I think that's what's very powerful about about the, the the lyrics, and and why I think sometimes Justin Sullivan might be seen as as being a kind of you know or 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 not particularly humour uh, humoured <laughs> kind of uh, kind of person, although there's a lot of very dark humor and and and, and humor throughout the, the lyrics it's just because there's, there's that kind of truth should we say with with a, with a small t to to the whole thing you never there's never a lyric in there you go no that's been jammed in to make something rhyme or to make something fit uh, every, uh you know it's absolutely considered
2: i think a lot of the time you authenticity bang on Ian. Absolutely. that's I, I wish i'd have got there and and like you say you can't a lot most of the time you can't have a blunt authenticity it's a sh- sharp, uh, authenticity tends to be a sharp yeah, thing so deliberate. that does speak to his nature and why you might think that it, yeah it all it all makes sense you know it all makes sense
0: i think the other interesting thing about this song is it, it in my head if i ever think of it i my first reaction is always to think of it as an acoustic song partly that will be to do with being at various Parties and festivals and gigs over the years, and, and someone's pulled out an a, um, acoustic guitar and it's been a sing along kind of thing. And of course, it starts in acoustic guitar, but it builds up to a cracking rock song throughout mm. it. I mean, there's so much going on, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger throughout.
1: If my memory serves me rightly, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the writing on this was done by Rob. It was primarily his, his baby that Justin got involved in. Yeah. And I think. Somebody else who obviously involved in the artwork of the album, but I also think she's uh, informed the the songwriting. You know, particularly the, the 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 style of lyric writing that Justin's kind of uh, gone on to uh, is is jewels because you can very much envisage, you know, bouncing ideas off each other. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were to you know together you know creatively, of of, of really understanding how, you know, just. By being involved in the ideas process, that uh, you know, she's inspired. It's inspired Justin to go on to be the lyricist he is.
0: Yes, I, I think having a close association with uh, a poet, a contemporary yeah. poet, probably will do Another that holist. to, a, to yeah. a writer. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you can't help but uh, be informed and educated by somebody. You know, when you spend a lot of time with them.
0: Absolutely. So. Moving on, we're on to uh, Ballad of Bodmin Pill.
2: When I... This was the first... Again, I'm looking at this from the context of first listens for the non-single tracks. And the first time I heard this, it was the first one that made me think, okay, is this slightly closer to filler? But delighted to say, on subsequent listens, it's really grown on me. Um, I think there is a, a sort of slow build haunting quality to the song uh, that that's, that's kind of, I'm still sort of tangling with somewhat and, and and is growing on me more. I love the sort of simplistic interlude in sort of middle eight that ends with those drum fills. That's really mm-hmm. nice and a little bit different in the context of the rest of the song. And just a nice ending where everything, I mean, it's, you know, not that that's uncommon, but again, a nice ending. Whenever you've got somebody, who, again, you, you can very much imagine it. Imagine standing on a street corner with an acoustic guitar, banging tunes out. Um, I don't know if you looked at sort of Matt Bellamy and Muse, for example, you wouldn't necessarily think of him in that context. If you look at Justin Sullivan, it's very easy to imagine that. So I think it adds even more weight to just a straight drop out to vocal and and guitar because in in a strange way, it kind of means a little bit more in the context of the New Model Army for me. As, as some of you, again, I'm not an, I'm not an authority, but just, just sort of what it's feeding me at the moment.
1: Well, first of all, the thing a, you know, I was found interested about this is when I first put it on, I was expecting a ballad, you know, with being called Ballad of <laughs> Fucking Kill. How wrong I was, this this is the song that I would call punk, punk Rock Soul. Mm. You know, It, it again, it's... It, people will miss things like that great drum fill because it's not what you expect to hear in the song. The little, you know, the, the really subtle harmonies in this, in the verses that I think Tom Dowd brought out in the band. You know, it's a case of, well, you're better singers than you think you are. Let's, let, let's bring some more to this. And it's, it's a song that... Surprised me when I first did it, like I say, because I was expecting a ballad because it says ballad. Caught me on that one. It's a song that gallops. And it reminds me a bit of um, not so much 70s, but when Slade came back and writing great galloping pop songs, Mm. because it's got that gallop to it um, that Slade were doing when when they came back, you know, Radio Waller Sound, that kind of vibe, because they were influenced by the kind of Tamla Motown thing as well. You know, uh, they were all skinhead boys. You know, and that's what you know. That's what you know, the Wigan Casino was where they they were educated. You know, so um, I get the feeling that this song is very much the punk version of that. That's just my strange view on it.
0: I mean, the the uh, I, I I love the bass groove on this. The the bass riff that just drives through that. It's kind of. Relentless, but um, you could see that as a as a kind of punk twist on a a, a classic uh, northern soul kind kind yeah. of uh, uh, dance groove. Um, if you if you were so desirous, but uh, yeah, I, I've got not much more to uh, to add. Yeah, all those all those points, I will uh, having uh, you've run them up the flagpole, and I'm quite happy to salute. So let's um, change direction again. Into family
1: When I saw that the two songs Both with the name With the word yep. family in I was like I was really interested You know Was it kind of A continuation Was this part one Of a story in part two Was coming after it Very 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 different sounding songs This is very much The four to the floor And it's got that Old school new model army Anger in it Yeah you know, um chorus, you know, it's it's just a stomping chorus. And towards the end where he allows it to uh he allows himself a bit of freedom to almost like ad lib from it. You know, it's like we always get the feeling that they're spreading the wings and they realise, you know, the musicianship they've got and, you know, the the time, you know, it's become apparent that they, you know, they really love the time in Sawmills when they were recording vast majority of this album because it was such a special environment to them and I think it inspired them to, to push the boundaries a bit themselves and try things whilst they were in the studio that necessarily they wouldn't have done previously and even though this is very much of an old-school New Lami style you can you can hear the bits of the maturity that they've acquired over the over these years and actually feeling confident to not just stick to what they've always done, but actually add a bit to it, and I think it's all the better for it.
0: Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. I could very much imagine hearing this alongside Vengeance in that kind of era, but this is significantly more polished and yeah. and uh, accomplished and uh, uh, more m- mature. But yes, I, I I see what you're saying. The co- the continuity is is very much there.
2: Even as even as a relative novice, I was thinking this has aspects of earlier anime, uh, New Model Army. With I was thinking better than them, to be honest. Also, there's a, I don't know, the little guitar riff that that's that's spinning around at the beginning, makes me think of also quite a few lighter modern pop punk bands that are, that I listen to. Uh, and again, got to remember this was back in '89, I suppose, but that feel was definitely there. Um, you said about the choruses, Martin. When you hit when it, when you get to hitting snares on the beat, that's a really nice driving lift, and again a great mechanic to to employ a, to lift a chorus. Hmm. I feel a bit as if I'm being a bit sort of uh, what would be the word, perhaps uh, clinical about this one. I, it perhaps hasn't given me too much more than that yet. I did notice similarly and wonder if there was any connection with uh, family and family life, as you said, or something that occurred to me in, mm. in, in the the way that it was laid out in the track listing. Yeah, more yeah. listens for me. Good, great little track, though. Great little track. But I can't ever listen to a song
1: while I, when I'm travelling on a certain road without actually having the song appear in my head. Whenever I'm on the M6, <laughs>
0: this
1: song comes into <laughs> my head.
0: On a wild, uh, wet and windy night.
1: yeah. M6 Southbound Roadside Cafe on a Wild Wet and Windy Night. Uh, but the descriptive language throughout this is wonderful. But as soon as I hit the M six, I immediately <laughs> think of this song. How many, how many songs mention, you know, apart from Route 66 and of course Billy Bragg's A thirteen pastiche? Not many songs, you know, really mention about specific roads and in descriptive terms, you know, and and put you there. And yeah. this song always does whenever I'm traveling, and it's, it's always a great memory. So for that, I thank them.
0: Uh, so that was Family, not to be confused with the next track, Family Life, which is sonically couldn't be more, more different, really. <laughs> yeah. So we're starting off, again, something that is very much boiled down to your kind of acoustic troubadour kind of things, mm. a, uh, acoustic guitar. I mean, this, this is w- where you're into the kind of almost busker type of vibe. Um, with some incredible lyrics, again uh, uh, storytelling to the max, um, and you can see it all laid out, uh, mm. laid out uh, before you. Um, what do you want, so uh, Paddy? Have you got anything to?
2: Yeah, similar similar things really. Um, very much the busker vibe, uh, and again, this that to some degree, this this is one of the songs, if not the song that under. Underpins that core of, of what lies underneath all the other sort of creation and is sort of an adventuring into other, other dynamics, instrumentation, perhaps to some degree, not heavily, but to some degree experimentation. That that this is the stuff that underpins it, and I think this this song sort of speaks to that. It, it's in a lovely melancholy place, not necessarily uncommon. There's some. Lovely little bit of sort of subtle second second guitar noodles in it that mm-hmm. I, I thought were really really nice and lovelyly really understated. And I don't, I, I may be getting this wrong in terms of association, but is there a slight sort of sea shanty thing to this, or am I using the wrong flavored musical dynamic? <laughs>
0: um,
2: uh, I don't know. Uh, perhaps that's me. I'm, I
0: I I can hear I can hear the yeah. the kind of. Uh, uh, progression of rhythms that 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 lead in that yeah. that sort of direction. Hmm. Yes, it wouldn't be my first descriptive <laughs> choice. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I, I I don't think you're uh, you're you're completely off the mark. I've
2: probably yeah I've probably gone edge case with my logic rather than core with my logic. But yeah, I mean that, if I you if you that.
0: threw a kind of penny whistle hornpipe into into that <laughs> playing those those kind of uh, counter melodies, then you you'd absolutely be there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this is.
1: Where you know, it's almost and I don't mean this, you know, in any way rudely, whereas Inheritance, that's your song, Rob, this is my song, you know, this is this is where I get to shine, this is you know, this is a guitar. It's it's really simple song. The lyrics are, are full of such venom, but eloquently written. You know, normally when you get someone who's angry, they will have the eloquence of, you know, putting it in, in a phrase to do unto them as they have done to you is a very polite way of saying what you actually really feel.
0: Um, well, yeah, and actually yeah. The, the the line before that, because that's yeah. where it breaks. It, it's it, it's sung very melodically, and but that line before, um, well, I if could I could have, have my, my way, way I'd uh, line, line, them line them up against walls. That's absolutely spat out. Yeah. that it's and it's a, a nice kind of turnaround on on the uh, on the melody. Yeah.
1: But then, like you said, it brings it down in a way. You expect him, you know, when you say, line them up against the wall and do unto them as they have done to you, it's like it's almost not spoken what has, you know, what's occurred. But it leaves you in in no sense of wondering what's gone on because the lyrics that have been laid out before you are so uh, informative, shall we put it politely. But it's a song that... Live, it was always a case of, right, okay, well, when the acoustic guitars come out, it's a bit of a breather for the audience, but when you listen to it lyrically, it's not a breather. No. But, you know, you'd have this better than them and songs like that Where you strip it down for a while, a bit of relaxation, orally, but mentally it's not.
0: Uh, uh, which is a, a perfect piece of acoustic sorbet to, uh, to get into the album track listing before we hit... What is probably, I'd say, the best-known song off of this album for people that have got you know alternative rock leanings but aren't necessarily a fan. This is this is one that 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 people will know, and that is Vagabonds. And this is one we we mentioned Ed, Elaine Johnson earlier on. Just to for anyone that doesn't know, he's a, a fiddle player, but famously, actually, to 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 pick up, I think it was. Was it you, Paddy, that said there was, was parts where you couldn't really tell or that the, the fiddle and the synth were were kind of so in tune? Yeah. Obviously, the, the thing about Ed Lane J- uh, Johnson was that he was a very early adopter of flute pedals and electric effects. He's He's a fiddle player, but very much in that kind of progressive production kind of way. And this song, the whole introduction to this, yes, we get the fiddle, but it's not. It's not someone's picked up a, an acoustic fiddle and uh, played a fiddly-diddly along with a rock song. It's using that instrument and the electronic uh, electric fiddle and the effects you can apply to it absolutely brilliantly. And then we go to, oh! <laughs> um, Martin, do you want to to kick us off on uh, Vagabonds? Some
1: song that broke my toe. <laughs> I knew want would allowed my gig. Stood stood far too close to one of uh, the militia who uh, had just got new uh, segs on his (laughs) clogs. Oh, boy. God, did I feel it through my boots. Um, Absolute stomper. It's a signature tune. You can't go wrong with this. I've seen it played where they come back into it and the joy on people's face is just wonderful. I mentioned Slade earlier on the song by Slade called Run, Run Away. Yeah, where and people don't realize that Slade, quite a few of their songs had fiddle on them.
0: Well, yeah, the um, yeah.
2: was he was he yeah. the bass player that was yeah. also a fiddle. Yeah, the fiddle player. player. Yeah. yeah, just just as a, as a complete side note, if you'll excuse me, run run away, Martin. Thank you for mentioning that. Is is one of my favorite favorite Slade songs, and yeah. nothing sat, wrong with that at all. Sat on um, now, that's what I call music two, which was probably <laughs> one of the first things I ever owned on vinyl. So it's quite a special. song for me, that Slade song, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, but, um, I mean, I don't know
1: what inspired them to, or maybe they saw Ed Buskin and thought, "Oh, we want a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they first met Ed, um, but I think it was fortuitous for, for all sides insofar as it allowed him to reach a wider audience, it allowed them to expand their horizons. And this is a song about, I mean, you know, there's, there's a bit at the beginning in the credits for the album, which I am going to read. Most of all, this LP is dedicated to our following, some of the most creative, intelligent, artistic, brave, ingenuous, loyal and utterly demented people we've ever met. Thank you. Good luck. This song, <laughs> we are All, we are young, we are in this together, vagabonds and children, prisoners forever. It's, it's about everyone. It's about them and it's about us because there are bands that don't have... There are a few... Bands like this that have a following the way they do. Yeah. That have such passion to such such create. So many people have become creative as a result of being fans of New Model Army. You know, artists, painters, uh, authors, musicians, filmmakers, because they've been inspired by New Model Army. This song is about us, the band, and us collectively. You know, it's... It, because we are, you know, we've been perceived as outsiders because we're into an alternative style of music. But we are in it together. And if people just realise that, you know, we get on so much better because there's so much more than joins us than, than, than disconnects us. And this song, to me, has always been a really joyous thing from that first, like you say, that that fiddle, the way it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and you get the feet stomping on the live version and the funniest thing is when they didn't have the fiddle player, and the crowd would sing
0: <laughs> the fiddle da-da, parts. Da-da,
1: and they got Ed, uh, the, the thing that makes me laugh is they got Ed back to do a gig, and the crowd was still singing it. It just seemed to went, "He's here," <laughs>
0: you
1: know, But the crowd just, you know, wanted, you know, they were part of it, you know, because they always have been. You know, the word "family" used on the previous songs is very much how New Model Army's fan base has been. You know, they got the gigs, and the band would look after you know, the bags and stuff like that, make sure they were looked after, make sure they had a floor to sleep on. And not a lot of bands would do that, you know. So to have that passion for your fan base and to write a song which is basically about all of that is wonderful.
0: I I, Absolutely. I mean, the whole album actually is about family, community grouping together or looking out for each other you know those those kind of themes are dotted throughout the album but this is the one that is our song <laughs> when yeah. you're in when you're in the audience this is this is this is us this is our uh song mm. as much as uh, you know you can you can own a song someone else wrote uh, and it is an incredible uh, it, it kind of electrifying. i mean i've seen new mod lamy they're one of the bands i've seen more times than i can count now i can't i can't mm. Uh, not saying i can't count that high <laughs> i mean <laughs> i cannot i cannot no. remember i just i just cannot cannot remember yeah it's a very special song but i mean even these days with the modern incarnation of the band where the uh, electric guitar is taking over this it actually s- speaks to the quality of the comp- composition that actually you can play this on electric guitar it doesn't quite have the slidiness of the uh, the fiddle um, because obviously it's a, a pick rather than a rather than a bow but it still works it's a, it, it's it's still very much a, a rock song it doesn't it isn't a fiddly diddly folky song mm. you know uh, i it, it, so much as you, um yeah, devil went down to georgia if you played the, the fiddle riff on the guitar it kind of loses the whole point of the thing anyway but it, it wouldn't sound it wouldn't sound the same whereas um, this you know this song in a modern uh, with the modern version of the band, it still kicks ass to use an Americanism kicks ass
2: <laughs> i my, my first the first line that I wrote about this was as far as classic guitar riffs go, the fiddle nails it um it is it is a, a cracking riff based tune this is this is uh, n- not special in the way that's special to you guys, but in a slightly different way because. For me, when I used to go out and jump up and down and have hair and and dance to things, if I put a playlist together of um, said club at the bottom of Chapel Hill, uh, Vagabonds would probably be in my would be in my top ten easily. And there was a lot of songs used to fly around that we always used to listen to and get into and relate to. But this is just a an amazing um, uplifting piece of music that was good to stomp round to it's its most sort of simple application it is completely fantastic very very good fundamentals underneath that riff as you say it builds it goes you get the riff it's an irresistible lead line and then i also really really love the marching drum outro at the end that's kind of <laughs> huge as well on top of everything else
0: they've really um, lent into that on uh, some of the live shows. I can imagine it works, yeah. With, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like kind of extra extra drummers and, uh, yeah. and what have you.
2: So um, in, in my proportionately appropriate way that this means quite a lot to me, it does, because it would be certainly in, in my top 10 tunes, standing there with Temple of Love, Head Like a Hole, Wish, and that kind of ilk, this, this would be in that sort of top 10 of tunes used to dance to an alternative club style of thing. Let's
0: park that there and um, uh, move on to the next vaguely automotive song, (laughs) 125 (laughs) miles per hour, um, which does sound to me like a speeding car. Um,
1: I always get confused because the first time I actually heard this was on the House of Dolls EP uh, from a fanzine they gave it to. And I can never remember which version's on the album. Is it the one with the fiddle solo? Or the one with the harmonica solo. I think it's the fiddle. It's the, the scrapey
0: hour. fiddle. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause the first version I had had Mark the Hart Feltham playing harmonica on it. And that was the first version I heard of this, uh, this particular song. So it was nice that they didn't just stick the same version on. But I'd per, my personal preference is the harmonica one because I love what Mark does. It's just absolutely chaotic. Uh but it is a song, I think the title says it all. It just it's a giddy away. It is Relentless. It's exhausting. Is this song? If you try and dance to it, it's absolutely exhausting. Again, with great lyrics, it tires me listening to it. it, <laughs> it, it, even, it even looking at you know, am looking at the title. I just remember dancing to it, and because it is a fast, such a fast song, it's, it's a bit like trying to dance the bet you. you get to the end, and you're like, I'm exhausted. Don't no no, no go back in, please. <laughs> I just need a breather for a minute.
0: Well, you do get uh, the the hint of a breather in the. Uh the uh, the last section, you know, the just because I say I want to kill someone, you know, and it will slows down there oh, yeah, before yeah. the, <laughs> but yeah, but you don't get much of a breather,
1: but you could you could tell it's building back up straight away as yeah. soon as it does that, it's like, it's, but and I love I love the way the bass just goes bum it's like a heartbeat, yeah, it's very much like a heartbeat's beating 125 miles an hour, and that, <laughs> that that's what I take from this song all the time. It's just that relentlessness. Even when it's, even when that bit comes, you can just that's your heartbeat and still going and it's coming back, it's coming back. Great song, love it, love it, love it. I love the whole album, but this is a fantastic song.
2: With, the, um, with that drum intro and the way that it went, it made me think of, it made me think a little bit of 70s glam rock when it kicks off, uh, which I'm, I kind of like, I like that it's giving that to me. I can imagine it being a great live track. Interesting. I love the the syncopate. You know the sort of syncopated slowdown with the forever and ever and ever and ever into and it, a waltz, which is good because it's <laughs> uh, yeah, it serves to underline the generic pace of the song. In terms of pacing and the idea of fast, it sort of feels uh, slightly perhaps frantic's the word I'm looking for. There sort of this, yeah. this, 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 as if to sort word. of get get something out and just expunge everything as fast as possible, rather than just getting from A to B. It's this. More, more, now, 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 and it's interesting that, that that sort of frantic feel and some of the fiddle stuff. It's a, quite a challenge for the fiddle player because it's not like just just play fast, playing sort of frantic fast. There's a bit more nuance to it. Possibly. Yeah, manic even. Yeah, yeah, manic. Very, yeah, very much so. And there's a little really. Vague, but like you, you mentioned, the line that, that just that I want to kill somebody. There's a li- couple of little inflections that he puts on his when he says the lines, which I just find hmm, not not humorous, but something, and 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 I really like that. I, th- I think
0: that's it. It's interesting. I mean, we've not really talked about his singing per se, mm-hmm. but it's he's a very performative vocalist. It's. It's not quite musical theatre, but it's it's to me it is to 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 kind of rock and roll what performance poetry is to poetry. It's it, there's an added dimension that the words get by the delivery. And again, yeah. I think it comes back to this authenticity thing we've talked about. This is not someone just singing the lyrics to the melody. It's it's someone very much delivering the lyrics yeah. and those little inflections and and the, you know the the this thought behind. All of that, or it's, or it's instinct, or, or what have you. But it's, yeah, there's kind of no opportunity missed to actually get some extra meaning or, or feeling out of something just by flicking the end of a, a word, or, or, or you know, uh, breaking into a half shout for a couple of syllables, or, or, what have you.
2: And what, and, and the beauty of it is whatever, whatever is thrown in never really feels out of place, which is clever when you're throwing in so many different things perhaps again another example being the sort of stumbling stumbling drum ending to this song it's like yeah. oh well it's it doesn't feel it feels absolutely right it doesn't feel like oh well, we'll this is an idea we'll have for in a song so we'll just shove this you know stumbling drum thing just ad lib go free time no it, it really works it really works and feels part of a bigger performance which again possibly ties into what you're saying about overall delivery Yeah, really, really good song. Really, really good song.
0: Uh, So if we move on there to something very different in the guise of Archway Towers, which incredibly stripped down, very different sound, very different vibe. I I can't really think... I mean, the closest I can get to is, is maybe The Cure at some of their starker moments, but you've got bass and vocal and some weird synth pads going on
1: well it's and guitar tapping
2: yeah well i I'd, I'd, I'd say that's bass tapping i i could be wrong could yeah, be wrong uh, it could could well be but I, and i say that because it makes me think of jeff hament uh, which came two years later uh, the whole sort of some of the stuff you can hear on 10 by pearl jam but jeff yeah. Ament's playing on bass and this sounds as if he's he's tapping um like triad chord shapes Mm -hmm. again could be wrong could be wrong but it's interesting to hear what's potentially one of the grunge sounds in 1989 i don't don't know (laughs) but again that might be my ear that's, that's been pulled to it a little bit more like you say another left turn away from some of the other flavors minimalist but interesting sounds vaguely experimental possibly it's the kind of thing that perhaps could sit in a rock opera somewhere or a a show, actually, I'd, I'd go as far as to say. It, it, it all comes back to that peculiar, sort of very fresh strings, what I think is based up in. It's, yeah. it's a, a fascinating little uh, little sort of motif, is that? Some kind of menace
0: in it all.
2: Well, this occupies a very
1: interesting place insofar as being one of only probably four songs by New Model Army i just don't like a lot you know i admire the it's to me it's a soundscape it's not a song uh it's some great lyrics but the first time i actually saw this song live i was like it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't do anything for me there's some interesting sound but that's just, that that's just some interesting sounds and great lyrics but as a song to end an album particularly that's. A, on the, the vinyl version, this actually ends yeah. the album. And it was just such a come down. It was like, ugh. After, you know, some some great, you know, pop rock and, you know, and heart, chest beat and stuff, to end it like that, it just, it I felt like I felt a bit robbed because I had to put it back on the beginning because I just thought it's so dark and festering and malevolent and my adult ears, you know, hearing it 30 years on, I can appreciate it more, but it's one of those few songs that I will gladly just pass by. I'll look at the lyrics more than I'll listen to the song because the lyrics are great. You know, it's, it's, it's really dark, it's nasty, it's malevolent. But to listen to it, it feels so out of place with everything else. And ending an album... There was nothing like this until uh, some cult, uh, which shall I mention it? Uh, someone like Jesus. Um, that I was like, what's going on? Is it's not it's not my it's not my new World lobby You know, <laughs> I respect the right they could do. You know, you know the the, the, the record. and it's not the pleb. But for me, from a listening experience to end on this, particularly, it's like, huh. This is really quite somber and dark and no- it's like ambient goth poetry that's what it felt like to me it didn't feel like a song it's just noises over nice you know nicely written and well intentioned lyrics
0: no, it's, uh, it's an interesting take and I can, I can see where you're coming from I would I would agree with all of what you're saying in terms of what the what the track actually is But for for Balance, to be very BBC about this, um, I absolutely love everything you hate about it i love <laughs> i, I yeah. love about that i love the downturn this is you know this is empire strikes back's ending <laughs> it's i like the doubt i like the minimalist I, I was always a big fan having dabbled a bit myself but i was always a fan of performance poetry and you often got a lot of of that which had some kind of you know rudimentary musical backing i just love it for the for the art of of, of the thing um and it still has that visceral connection it still makes yeah. me feel something yeah. and it, it it conjures up uh, emotions. so i can i can absolutely understand why you're not keen on it and that's it's probably some of those reasons. I, I, i'm putting this in the context of a world we know where there are hundreds of new modern army songs <laughs> and um if um if it was a a limited feast i think i you know i might think oh, there was room for another great song there. We ha- we haven't had one, uh, but given the 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 kind of you know the the riches we we have, yeah, I I, th- I think there's there's space for this, and especially on this version because it's not the last, yeah, the,
1: yeah, the yeah, last yeah, track yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, but, in
0: this version. But yeah, I understand yeah. what uh, understand what you're saying.
1: It it felt so unsung like, and yeah, I, I I mean one of my favorite albums of all time is Songs for Drella by Lou Reed and John Cale, and a lot that is stripped-down performance, poetry set to mm-hmm. sometimes ambient noise. I get that. And this, if it was on an album of that kind of thing, I'd love it for you know its context. But it's so far out of context, it jars, and that's why it makes me feel the way it does about it. You know, On an album of similar theme kind of things, it would work. It doesn't work in the context of you've got, as, as to quote Paddy, you've got bangers on it here, you've got... You know, you got you, you got stuff on here, and then it and then it ends like that. It's like not flaccid, you know, because it's not. It's <laughs> visceral, but out of context for me. And knowing what other songs would have been written and recorded at that time, an odd choice to end the vinyl on. But luckily, we've got the fifteen track <laughs> CD, and shall I? You know, we've got to lead
0: the charge forward. Hey. <laughs> very, oh dear! Oh dear! Oh so dear! Going doing your own segues now. Yes, into <laughs> into the charge. Which yes, again, couldn't be more <laughs> more different from the uh, the previous track. Uh,
2: Paddy, do you want to uh, talk about the charge? I've tons to say about this. I do. I do like again yet another combo. If you like, you've got piano and then sort of piano and military drums almost. So again, you got that yeah, very, of kind on. of martial rhythms, yeah, yeah, which I kind of quite like. Um, something else, a bit different after the very different previous track, so you can't, yeah, you can't fault the sort of eclectic, eclectic approach there at all. Yeah, not not too much to say. I like the way that it pivots off two things. You've got that really sort of syncopated guitar sections and how they drop to like a then a little sort of hung arpeggio six six note thing, and it sort of balances off each other. But uh, this there, uh, this one hasn't landed as deep as most of the other stuff with me yet. Possibly where it is in in the listing might speak to that subliminally. I don't know. So uh, more time with this one for me, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, as Martin was talking about on the previous track, this is one of the tracks that's been written at the same same time um, and, and we get it on, on this version. Was it was it an EP? Yeah,
1: it, it was the White Coats EP was actually right. released before yeah. the album. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the bridge between Ghost of Cain and Thunder and Consolation. So it was written slightly earlier, but you know, they were on such a rich Verner form. I mean, they are a band I was talking to a friend of mine last night. There's not many bands that you could buy an album of B sides and go Got these were B-sides. <laughs> are these people mad? You know, B-sides and abandoned tracks. Like, you're crazy to relegate really these to B-sides. But, you know, a bit like the Stuffies and bands that we grew up with, like the Jam, the B-side was as important as the A-side. And the Smiths, whether or not you like them, they, they took care in all their music. It was a case of you buying it for the record. You didn't buy it and just stick a remix or a live track always on the B-side. You'd make it. A listening experience that people would be proud to own and flip yeah. it over and get another pick. My life changed forever when I was nine years old, and while I was on holiday, I bought a record called Our Friends Electric. I played it until I'd all almost worn the Griever, then turned it over and heard a song called "We Are So Fragile." And I had a similar experience with songs like you know, "Friends," "Beat My Guest" by early, you know, by Adam and the Ants. You'd hear these B sides and you'd be like. Oh my god! And for a band to be so prolific and write so many great songs, and you know, this is from the the, the White Coats EP. I'll say what I think about this song. I, it's a song I always, 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 always get excited to hear. I love particularly the bridge bit because you know, yeah, the verses build up a little bit. You know, there's a bit more instrumentation on each verse when it gets to the bridge, and the the harmonies in that, you really can appreciate how much they've moved on from early. Songs which I, you know, love just as much, but the instrumentation and allowing the the voices to be used as instruments a lot more, you know, having that confidence to do it. Like you say, Pat, it's got that militaristic, because you know the lyrics <laughs> about the Charge of Light Brigade, you know, in, or rather inspired by. Them. Well, as, as metaphor, yeah. yeah, 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 and a bit like another uh, drum we've talked about many times in these in these uh, uh, podcasts, which is Martin Gilks. Rob Eaton uh, was somebody who made me want to be a drummer because he excited me and he didn't do the normal 4-4-4, 4-4, let's just do this. He would do things that were interesting and this is another example of that.
0: Uh absolutely I've um I agree with uh with all that <laughs> as you would imagine. Um I think yeah the the, the bit of me, I, I love the staccato delivery of the vocals in that mid section, or uh, towards the end there. And you know, just to pick out another lyric, we've done a done a done a few, but the, the line I'll screw my only brother for a glimpse of a, at a piece of the cake. Fantastic lyric, but also mm. the delivery on that—the digga, 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 digga. It's a, it's um, someone very—a glimpse at the piece of the cake. Just had that extra mm. <laughs> hat on a hat, uh, yeah. As we sort ha- of say in this comedy is how writing. we are,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, and a great life track. It's uh, yeah, certainly gets everyone uh, bouncing up and down. So where have we got to? Um, Chinese whispers. Chinese whispers. Yes. And again this I mean this sounds very very different from from the start of it.
2: Uh, Paddy what's your take on this? So yeah I rather like this. This makes me th- this sounds 80s to me at the beginning. That saturated drum thing and yeah. that repetitive dak a tak a ta it, it sounds like a I don't know a, a faster a faster beat for what's that song by George Harrison got my mind set on you but played faster. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, with bits of sonic boom boy yeah let's <laughs> I, won't, <laughs> I won't overdo it but yeah bless again, god bless him yay yeah i just yeah again yet another uh, yet another sound using one of the more basic component parts it's it's fantastic bit of production genius in a way and a bit of, again nice dirty bass perhaps conventional rock electric guitar sounds as well at the beginning which is quite good you just can't go wrong really and that this is the first one where I hear any significant amount of humour Yeah, that, that there is a little bit, the little mm at the end is quite amusing. It's like, hang on, what was that him that did that? This sort of <laughs> earnest chap type of thing, uh, as you say, so, so quite austere, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice little, little turnaround sort of thing.
0: There's certainly some some joy in that. Um, you can imagine them playing it with large smiles upon their face. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it it, it it sounds like everyone's having a good time. It kind of sounds to me like uh, maybe Zeke Zeke Sputnik would sound if any of them could actually play their instruments.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Neil oh, can play guitar.
2: Well, I, yeah. I, I would, yeah, I would agree That's as a as guitarist, as <laughs> I would agree with that. Well, uh, yeah, flaunt it has to happen at some point, but we'll leave that till then. Um, and the other thing was just an interesting, it sounds like a, there's a, again, it might be me going the same way as I did with my sea shanties and something that only appears to my uh, personal broken ear. But at the end, uh, the sort of mix-up of the, the guitar, and I think there's a little bit of piano-y keys going on. It almost sounds like a sort of Wild West bar thing.
0: Yeah, the,
2: and, no yeah and I really like that because it's yet another audio color that hadn't heard hitherto and where like 15 nearly 15 songs in it's like it's crazy really really good it's something was surprise you to know that
1: I love it because again it's it's drum driven you could take out all the instruments and just have the vocals and the drums and it'd still be as effective for me yeah but what's really good is the bits of instrumentation that are in there are subtle, like you say that piano bit, and <laughs> you can t- you can always get the feeling that they're smiling while they're doing it because it's yeah. like almost like chopsticksy kind of piano. You know, it's it's not any great level. You know, it's not like grade nine piano. It's just like ding ding ding, <laughs> two fingers. But this song, it, it's it's just got so much joy in it. And the first time I heard it, you know, on the White Coat EP, I was like oh, it's got this and the charge on it. You're not going to go wrong. <laughs> um, so to hear it, you know, when they release the CD and put it on, I'm like, I love this band because once you hear the album as you had it, you can carry on and just keep enjoying it and just thinking, you know what, how, how lucky we are to have this band.
0: <laughs> I think that's an interesting point about, um, you know, taking the instruments off and you st- you're still having a, a song. I think I think that's probably some of what I was trying to, clumsily claw my way towards a, c- a couple of um, uh, tracks ago when I was talking about the um, the performance in the in the vocals there's nowhere for vocals to hide in a track like this mm. um, so you're either an incredible singer not just in Sullivan's a bad singer but you're either a phenomenal singer or there's something in your vocal and performance which is Compelling that um, mm. that can stand up on its own when you strip away all the supporting infrastructure of um, other melodic instruments, and you know throughout this album, in fact, throughout all all of their albums, um, it's kind of proven that his his voice is something that's interesting to listen to.
1: The, th- the thing I particularly I'll, the bit that always makes me smile about this is you know towards the end where it drops down and goes that'll keep the little buggers going for a while. <laughs> You can just you can just hear the you know almost the giggling in the voices. And saying, yeah. You know, it's a case of we're having fun doing this, and it's a great song. You know, if you can hear the joy coming out of the song, and it and it gives you that joy, you know, you're not a winner.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely, and uh, but still, you know, it's the lyrics are st- they're they're still not throwaway. They're still making no. <laughs> making a point. <laughs> there's there's still uh, uh, information to be uh, transmitted within the within the lyric. Um, so, I, I mean, this is I, I'm saying this every track now, and then for something completely <laughs> different, uh, we're into uh, nothing touches.
2: I can't get past the sort of omnipresence of his voice, the way they've recorded it. It sounds like they've recorded it really close to the mic. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think with him, his delivery, his earthiness, all the, all the things that make him, up of, uh, make him up as a frontman who sings, yeah, you'd have to have one song where the vocal is recorded in this way. But, yeah, I, I can't. It, it almost transcends itself. It's just simple but big, big, big established perhaps uh, gentle back to basics belt and braces singer-songwriter tropes but the way they've recorded his voice just sets this off for me
0: I think if we can kind of hark back to previous episodes when we talked about the uh, Alanis Marset album we did discuss in the vocal recording the amount of mouth noise and breathing and what have you that's left in the kind of thing that in a modern pop song gets polished completely out we pretend that our modern pop singers never breathe and they you know they they just bang out everything bang on tune all the way through this because it's obviously it's close it's recorded close up on what assumes a condenser mic it's got all that that noise it's got the the breath which leads to a you know uh, i think adds to that kind of visceral delivery of the, the lyric. There's nothing fake or false about it. It's, you know, here's some things I want to communicate and I'm doing it right now, right now. again, with that that kind of, you know, uh, sense of uh, authenticity and truth.
1: This was a B-side of
0: uh, <laughs>
2: Stupid Questions. Crazy, crazy.
1: And, you know, there was another track uh, written around the same time, Prison. These tracks are B-sides and I think... The, the, the value of a true artist is you don't write singles, you don't write album tracks, you don't write B-sides, you write the best songs you can write. And I think the best artist will always do that and you can tell the sincerity and the passion that runs through it. And passion isn't always anger. Sometimes it's, it can be really quite soft and enveloping. And this song, to me, it's, it's almost like he's got you in his arms and singing it to you
0: individually,
1: because yeah. it's so... It's a bit the uh, Depeche Mode song, Somebody. And, you know, that was... Re- it was recorded. Martin Gore refused to have anybody in the studio. Recorded it completely naked, one mic, and it came out as almost like a stream of consciousness. And it, this song, it just has that kind of... Ethereal beauty again, you play this to someone and go who's that and they go I'm gonna click that's new model army that's not them that do vengeance and vagabonds <laughs> and all that stuff all angry stuff is it they do so much more <laughs> please take this as a start of your education
0: like I say as it as it develops as, as a track, we start to get some more of those uh, keyboards or synth sounds popping in and just adding a bit of that atmosphere and some little it's i mean it, you could almost imagine it um living on a pink floyd album in some of their mm. darker mm-hmm. moments except on pink floyd where would it, get to the end and then it would go on for another eight minutes with more, <laughs> more instruments added and get louder and turn, so it, you know it, it wouldn't end <laughs> yeah. uh, like like that but it is it's of that kind of um caliber i i think
1: yeah very much a kind of Comfortably numb, wish you were here. Kind of, it's wistful. It's, 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 it's really quite a simple song. You know, there's no, you know, great changes to it for me, but I think it's what benefits it.
2: There's a spellbinding nature to it as a tune. Yeah. It, very, it's glowing around the edges.
1: Yeah. Mm. It's like there's a song that they played um, when they did the, um, webcast from Cologne a few weeks ago, uh, there was a song that that they hadn't played for a long time and they played it and it kind of put me in mind of this song, uh, "Married the Sea. Um, And it's just that kind of dreaminess to it that Hmm. people would never associate New Model Army with if you played this as a standalone song. They'd never say it was New Model Army.
0: Well, it's almost... Dreaminess is a good... I mean, in, in a slightly more twisted world, it would be a lullaby. Yeah. On to the last track, at least of this version of the uh, <laughs> album, um, the oft-mentioned uh, White Coats. Martin, do you want to crack on with this one, Soon as you've uh, you've already alluded to this track already?
1: God bless New Model Army for releasing a single at 99p when I was a youngster and I couldn't afford <laughs> to buy lots of records. four track EP, 99p. I actually saved up the following week and bought the same record of twelve inches to get the poster <laughs> uh, because I wanted to see it bigger because it's exciting and lyrically, you know. Um, again, this is written nineteen eighty seven, and what is written about is still as relevant to this very day. I would do tell the people in the white coats enough is enough. I saw a news report about uh, an author who passed away. aged ninety one. And someone had put on Facebook, died far too young. Know, she was ninety-one. She had a good life, you know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're finding ways to keep people alive to the degree that we didn't previously. And does it always benefit us? You know, sometimes we need to take maybe take a step back. But it's it. it I know it's not what this was written about specifically, but the, that particular line could be apparent in so many different ways. And this was the first time I'd actually heard New Model Army. I mean, there was the piano version of Brave New World, but using other instruments for the first real time, you know, the, the amount of keyboards that's on this song, mm. and it really builds up. It's quite a broody song, and it's got, you know, a classic. When I mentioned earlier about Run, Run Away, this chorus always puts me in mind of that.
0: It's emin- eminently sing-alongable.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a catchy pop <laughs> but look at the lyrics man they're not they're not catchy pop song lyrics and that's what new model army do brilliantly they will write a song that it's an earworm it gets in your head and before you know it you're singing about something you think oh gosh yeah well, that's what it's about <laughs> right okay
0: yeah they'd lure so, you in with the hey hey that everyone can get yeah. a,
2: <laughs>
0: get a handle on <laughs>
2: Yeah, great single, great finishing uh, song for this iteration and the presentation of this album. That sort of rallying cry, enough is enough is enough, it yeah, underpins the whole point of it, I suppose, and the sort of sudden ending underlines, I suppose, the holistic ending of an album which has got so much comment, intent, conscience and so on and so forth, works a treat. But again, on basic level, it's just another superb pop song, absolutely superb driven pop song. Uh,
0: absolutely, yeah, and, and uh, uh, yeah, what a way to end! And you can never get bored of hearing something live that ends like that, and, uh, and a great way to uh, uh, to end the album, even though it's not ending the album, but it is ending the album. Yeah, I but think this is. Tr- I, yeah, <laughs> I
1: think this is. I think this is the correct way to end this selection of songs should we say that they being that the great people you know uh, if, you, if you're buying on a certain format you're limited by you know time constraints of what you yeah. can put on things so we're going to release a CD CDs cost more we're going to give you value for money you know and that's I don't think that's um, record company decision that's very much a band decision we want people to have value you're going to buy it in a different format we want to have a reason for you to buy it not just yeah. Let's get three versions of the same in different sizes. It's a case of we're going to give you a reason to want to buy this as well. When I did, I was really, really, really happy. I was like, oh, there's a lot more songs on there and uh, great songs, all of them, apart from me. <laughs> 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 but if, if, if someone says there's 15 songs, uh, 14 of which will stay for the you, for rest of your life and there's one that you'll always have this bizarre relationship with, you'll never forget it, ever.
0: Yeah, you'll take that. Not, there's, yeah, <laughs>
1: there's not many bands that you can do that. You, you'll have bands that have, have you know, the, the equation all killer, no filler. Now, there's there's albums by bands that we all know and love that you just go, yeah, I could skip that quite happily and move on. Obviously not for review purposes, but uh, when you listen <laughs> to it itself, you go, yeah, I'm bored by this, and move it on. You lift the needle or press next on your CD player, whatever. This is not an album that you'd want to do that to.
2: Definitely not.
0: Yeah. No, and I think that that's why I was keen to do this particular published version mm. of the album, because I think it, there's a certain completeness about it. By by folding in that earlier EP, which is very much of this stage of, of New Model Army, it's uh, just wrapped up nicely in a nice little parcel, which... Brings us on to the, to the end of the podcast, which is wrapped up nicely with a nice little bow. I don't know whether we'll revisit New Mod Limey again. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. There's so much to go, but then again, yeah. there's so, so many other albums to, to, to look at.
2: I'll definitely... I, I think it's, this is going to prompt me to listen to a lot more, I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I, I was... Like I say, not just the eclecticism, the, the the other thing about it is the way that they do... I think a lot of bands, if they present are now... <sighs> If, if if they present sort of some belt and braces style of punk and rock on the one hand, but then they can go to some somewhere that sounds like a song like Brothers in Arms, for example. You sort <laughs> of like that's you might expect them to do that on one album and do all the songs like that and have a particular producer type of deal. It's like <laughs> every other song's just, you know, yeah, all right, there's a handful spread out there like this. There's a handful that are very, very produced. There's a handful that sound like the first album. I just think the having so much difference in close proximity is confident. Daring's the wrong word, because they can do it with a plum. It's not that, but it it's kind of conf- a confidence and self-assuredness as songwriters and creators and deliverers of of a uh, product that is is very very admirable and it um encourages me to listen to more especially as my absolute favorite um new model army song is here comes the war anyway which isn't even on this so it's like, <laughs> I, I, I know you know i really really do yeah. do like say, what i heard up to this point but this deeper dive has been very beneficial
1: ian you can you can uh correct me if i'm wrong on this but wasn't this the uh, album tour where a certain uh, band called the levelers were they tour support
0: i believe so
1: yeah new model army have always been a band that have always championed new you know good supports so that they're, they're not the kind of band that would just allow any old band to support them they would always get something that that they appreciated or they would find interesting you know rather than just a and the, you know to 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 play with them
0: yeah absolutely they always have a, a interesting uh, band in support if they if they are doing that and they're not, <laughs> not not doing a 3 hour show which yes uh, quite yes that's
1: been their want recently
0: but i i did realize uh, um i saw the uh, the postponed 40th anniversary shows like not that last year, the year before, uh, in 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 Rock City, the fortieth anniversary, and uh, during which we say, no, oh, what was that show at the cockpit?" That was the twentieth anniversary. So I realised I've been to the the thirtieth, the thirtieth, and the twentieth anniversary <laughs>
1: shows. <laughs> but you know um, what? <laughs> they're a band that no way but forward go. You know they, they don't rest in laurels, and they don't they don't write to type. They will do what they feel is is the right
0: thing for them. Absolutely, it's um, it's not a um, a nostalgia trip when you go and see New Mod I mean, except for you know, um, conjuring up the the the, the energy of uh, of a thirty year younger man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's you know, and and certain songs that, that have got that resonance down down the decades, uh, personally. But yeah, it's still yeah. I'm still liking the the new albums that are coming out. I've I like the new iteration of the band, the the, the kind of heavier. Rock kind of direction that they're into now It's, you know
2: And also, I suppose you could call them One of the archetypal cult bands Which is, I, I think, hitting that Hitting that sweet spot I mean, you know, I don't know what bands want I, I can't you know, Some people go into music for one reason Some people another uh, You know, what 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 is success, what's achievement I always feel that being a cult band Who are sort of unique big fish in a smaller pond style thing is actually a probably the best place to be for longevity and consequently because of the longevity, the ability to develop and try new things and be, have yeah. it accepted. So for me, they, they've hit a real sweet spot by being that sort of archetypal well, cult. They I'm.
0: did famously obviously push the size of their – pond outwards by I think the famous quote is you know most bands think that the world stops at the channel we think that's where it starts they have always toured extensively not just the UK I mean, uh, they've gone to to America when they've let them. They famous, no artistic mm. in- <laughs> yeah. re- uh, rejection but but Europe, you know they're, they're as big there as they ever were in the uk. if not bigger in some places, mm. especially uh, kind of germany and, mm. and and what have you. you know, and that's all been done through hard, hard work and graft and putting the putting the road miles in um and and it just has allowed them to stand on their own as an independent entity for quite some time now.
1: They are the archetypal cottage industry, you know. They, yeah. they, you know, they, they work with great people, you know, artistically, creatively, you know. Um, but they've got a, a, a team, you know, um, that that they're involved with that they trust, and that's a word that a lot of bands could learn from bands like New Model Army. To have that kind of community and trust, because that's what stood them so well, and that's why people are so passionate. When you talk to people about New Model Army, it's not just a, a band to them. It's a way of life. And I've been at band shows where people have, you know, got in a mosh pit and people have gone down and that. You know, you're at the mercy of whatever. Never once at a New Model Army show I've ever seen that. Someone's down, they're picked up. You know, yeah. the pyramids, everyone looks after each other. It's a sense of community. There's people I haven't seen for like 10 years sometimes and I'll see them at New Model Army gig and it feels like a day has passed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean that's that is that it that is true you, you you see face familiar faces that you realize you've only ever seen <laughs> at, at, at the at the gigs yeah. i mean um, and, and you know we should you know we should be honest on the path of, we're all working musicians based in west yorkshire we've all got personal connections with this band either mm. directly or indirectly from sharing you know bills or um, you know benefit gigs or crew or or what, what have you there's a lot of uh, f- to come yeah. back to what you're saying Martin, you know about there being a cottage industry they're a cottage industry that's very much located here and their they kind of tendrils and influences uh, radiate out to to the kind of uh, the local uh, music scene well uh, shall i draw the podcast yeah. to a conclusion there we'll be back soon to discuss something else um, but uh, for now, it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye from me. See you soon.
1: Take care, everyone.